<sighs> All right, I'm here. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Winner's Circle. I'm your host, Anthony Wynn, and I'm in a foul, foul, foul mood. I'm not happy. Look, Yankees are not looking so fucking hot right now. I'm going to get into all that. Yankees move on to the ALCS since I last spoke to you. Already find themselves down 0-2. Uh, the Knicks opened up their season with an OT loss against Memphis. And the reason I sound fairly optimistic about that is that the way they got there, and we'll get into all that, they looked pretty good to me. I'm, I'm very optimistic about them. Rangers look good, um, but the late defense is a question. They need to tighten that up a little bit. We'll get into that. And guess what? The Giants and Jets both win again. This is the third week in a row that I've said this. I'm loving this. See, you know what? I, I started this in such a foul, pissed-off mood. And and I'm once I start, I'm going to get into the Yankees and I'm going to get back into that mood. But the Giants and Jets both winning again. Giants 5-1, Jets 4-2. When everybody thought the Jets were going to start 0-9. Good shit. New York football's doing something. New York sports as a whole, we have a whole lot going on right now for New York sports. And I am loving it. Besides the Yankees bullshit, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. But, and, and you know, the Yankees are just, I'll, I'll start with them. Because I'll, I'll, I'll go, I'll start negative, that way I can end on the positive notes because... I have to sit here and now wait another day. They're going back to New York for Game 3. Um, down 0-2. And, you know, the other night, I'm getting ready to sit down and watch Game 1. Which, by the way, uh, let me just get into the... So, you know, they go down 2-1 to Cleveland in the ALDS. And I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm going... I got to go back to this because the last time I spoke to y'all, that's what was going on. So... They get down 2-1 to Cleveland, and I'm thinking to myself, oh boy, this is a problem. And the bats the bats in that series weren't alive either. We we masked it with the nine home runs in the series that we hit. But and that's a and against Cleveland, you can win against that. Going into game four of that series, I I you know obviously it's 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 win or you're done. And I believe you had Cole on the mound. You did. And, you know, he, Cole, Cole, let me just get into this. I've been a huge, huge, I kill, I've killed Cole on, on this podcast. I've killed him. The home run ball scares me all the time. And that still hasn't gone away, really. But he's, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's come out and has done what he is supposed to do, what we have paid him to do. I mean... He's looked very, very good. And we get him in Game 3 in the CS against Houston. Neither here nor there. Cole's done what he's supposed to do. I'm not going to delve too much. Because now, because it, it's a funny dynamic with Cole because say we lost that series against Cleveland, right? And you can't blame Cole because both games he pitched, he was lights out. You know, he had some scary moments, don't get me wrong. That third inning in Game 1 scared me. 
That was a scary inning. But he got out of that shit. And, you know, it, it, it's been... A, They've been frustrating offensively. Essentially, the Yankees have just been frustrated. The pitching hasn't been the issue, although Boone and his magical lineup changes and, and these bullpen moves, he's been getting me a little fired up. And, you know, I just think, like, now look, I mean, is it all analytically driven? Is is it all sketched out before the game? Yes. But you got to understand something, like, Oh, there's so much shit to get into with the Yankees that pissed me off. You know what? They won the series against Cleveland. I'm sorry. I know I'm, I'm I know I'm going all over the place right now, and I, I'm really not sticking to one thing. It's just so much has happened from from Friday to to now, to, from last Friday to now, to where like I've recorded in between, especially just with this team alone, just with this team alone, that you know, like ah, eh, there's so much. There's so much. They won against Cleveland. Yay. You know, nine home runs against three home runs. You batted 182 in the series. So we were saying before this series even started against Houston. And by the way, for all these Yankee fans who wanted Houston, well, you got him. And where you at now? Where you at? Now all you're doing is just shitting on the Yankees. I mean, you got to be honest. This, this Houston team is just better. This Houston team is just better. Their top dogs aren't even the one that's killing us. Oh, there's so much. There's so much that's pissing me off. But you bat 182. You knew you weren't going to be able to do that against Houston and win. You just knew it. So game one comes, and you have Jamison Tyone on the mound. And what would you expect to get from him? Let's be honest. I mean, I know the Yankees were only looking to get through the first get through the order one time with him. I know that's what the initial thing was, but he was pitching well enough to where they stuck with him. He got you into the fifth, only gave up one run. Now, Judge made an outstanding play in the first inning because that's Tyone's hiccups, right? First inning blunders. His ERA in the first inning was a 4-5. That's horrendous. So, you know, he got into a little bit of trouble in that first inning. And... Judge made an outstanding play. And see, you know, Judge hasn't been hitting well. I'll give you that. And he needs to start. Because without him, there's clearly no shot. But he showed you, just on that play alone, how like valuable he is. The, the fact that he's not up for a gold glove this year, I mean, him going back and forth from right to center field hurt him on that. Because his defensive metrics in right are way better than they are in center. Not to say he's a bad center fielder. He played... He, The judge saved our season, man. Let's be honest. I mean, so the fact that he's not up for a gold glove just on that sole reason is, is mind-boggling to me. But that's neither here or there. He is great all the way around. And the play he made in the first inning saved the game. He ended up losing the game, obviously. But it saved the game in that moment because you were on the verge of... Houston was on the verge of blowing it wide open. All right? So I get... I get that this is going to be a bullpen game, considering you went five games with Cleveland. All right? Your pitching is not set up for this. You used all your high-leverage relievers in the in all five games, really, in the, in, this, in the DS against Cleveland. But... You take out Tyone in the... Uh, what was it? The bottom, the bottom of the fifth. He got it now. He, he pitched four, four and a third inning, and 
he he only gave up one run. That's what you know. What that's a great. I I, I I'm I'm very happy with Tyone. You have Lawizaga. You have Waldy. You have. Well, obviously, you're not going to bring Holmes in in that situation. Obviously, you don't put Ron Marinaccio on the roster. Now, I get he's having issues with his shoulder. I believe it is. I understand that, but you. You said he had a, you know, had a chance of making it and everything like that. We everybody expected him to be on the roster, not on the roster. And so, instead, like you don't have any, you you clearly mapped out before the game even started. This is what you were gonna do in in this situation because you you did not want to go to any of your high leverage relievers at all in game one. Now, now, Tyone gives up four runs and you're down four nothing in the third. Okay, okay. You don't, you know, you want to save your guys four nothing in the playoffs against this pitching. Yeah, you're 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 not wrong. That game's probably done. I could see you going to Schmidt and I could see you going to Trevino. I could see you doing that in those situations. Because clearly they're not in the circle of trust when you do have the high leverage situations. Although you did try out Clark Schmidt and he blew it one time already for you. So what does that tell you? Anyway, you don't even bring him in clean. You got a runner on first, one out. And you walk Bregman. And you get out of the inning, okay? With Schmidt. I hated the decision to bring Schmidt in. But fine. He gets out of the inning. Double play ball to end the inning. Guys, it's 1-1. It's 1-1. You bring Schmidt back in. Just to get rocked. I mean, that's where you go to Trevino. I still don't understand why you don't go to guys like Loisaga or Waldy in those situations. But, again... Your logic is you don't want to spend these guys too quickly. It 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 blows my mind because you the, it's the best out of seven series. This is not the regular season. Why are we managing this game like it's the regular season? There's no going you. There's no going on after this. You only get four shots. You you now now you have to win a four, oh, the best four out of you have to win four out of five games against Houston. And by the way, by the way, Altuve is over in the playoffs. How long do you think that's gonna last? Alvarez isn't doing shit against us right now. How long do you think that's gonna last? We're getting killed by the bottom of the order. It's. I'm. Oh my God. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Once you know, once you go down three-one in game one, I'm sitting there saying, "Oh, that's that's it." With the way you were managing that game. And by the way, in games four and five, two the two biggest games of your season facing elimination, you bench IKF, which was the right decision. He was he was horrible at short. He was he was, he was kicking the ball around at short. So you made the right call putting Cabrera at short. You made the right call. Then you put him 
starting at short in game one of the Sia? How does that make sense? Make that make sense to me. And you put Peraza on the roster for the CS. Why put Peraza on the roster and then start IKF at short in game one after you just benched him in games four and five and won? Donaldson has been horrendous, although last night he had a nice double, but he's he's looked lost at the plate. Lost. Now I know you. I get. I get keeping him in the lineup though, because you want him there for the defense. The fact that he's not up for a Gold Glove either is asinine. Because if you look at all the defensive metrics at third, he's first in runs saved, and there was another stat that I saw that he's first in. Can't remember what that was. But he can't hit the ball, and you're batting him fifth. Now, they dropped him to sixth last night, and I liked the lineup last night. The lineup last night, you had Bader leading off. Glaber is not a leadoff guy. You need to bat him fifth because you're, you'll have runners on for him, and he's, it's not saying much, but he's one of the guys I guess you trust with runners in scoring position, I guess. <laughs> that, isn't that a joke? Isn't that fun? That's, that's a joke right there. But anyway, you want him in the middle of the lineup. So I liked what they did with that. You had Peraza start last night, which was the right call. Because some of the plays he made at fucking shortstop last night were great. The defense was on point last night. But let's be honest. I like what you did with the lineup. We're still not hitting the ball. You need to hit the ball. Guys, just so just so everybody understands how bad this offense is right now. They're batting 138 in the two games. Oh, by the way, they've struck out 30 times in two games. I don't care who's pitching. I don't care who's playing defense. I don't care who you're playing against other than Cleveland because you can get away with that in Cleveland as long as you're hitting the ball out of the yard. But I don't care. You're not, Especially this team. You're not going to beat this team. When when you're batting 138, that's at the end of the day, that's the problem, people. Yankees fans, that's the problem. We're not hitting the ball. They're not hitting the ball now. Houston's pitching is great, but your big guys are not doing anything in the key moments. Because if you look at the stat line, Stanton had a hit. Stanton's actually done fairly well in the playoffs. Considering, you know, his, I guess, ability to fucking move. Because every time I watch that dude jog around, he just, he looks like he's hurting. Judge hasn't done nothing. I mean, I hate batting him first or second because you're never going to have an opportunity to have someone on base for him. Although he did last night. And it almost went out. But guess what? That's only out in one ballpark and it's Yankee Stadium. And, by the way, the wind at last night's game was pushing straight to left field. Because Bregman's home run, I mean, shit. You think that's going out any other night? That's a good conversation to have, too. Houston opened the dome last night for that reason, most likely. 
for that reason. It's a, it's a smart play by them. Very smart. Very, very smart. Because Judge's ball is a home run without that wind. Easy. And that puts you up. Late, too. See, that's the thing that, that frustrates me, too. The big guys on Houston aren't hurting you. You're in these games, and you can't hit the ball. And the, I'm sitting there screaming at the TV last night because, if we're being honest, you shouldn't even have scored those two runs because the pitcher makes an error, makes two errors in one play. First, he bow, that play, when, when Stanton hits that ground ball after Judge's uh, single, when Stanton hits that ground ball back to the pitcher, that is a double play. <laughs> but he bobbles it and then stupidly tries to throw to first base as he's falling to the ground. And it goes way past the first baseman. You end up with runners on second and third. Great. Great. But think about it. That double play happens and then Rizzo grounds out. You get nothing. But instead, the Rizzo ground out got you one. You played small ball there to get the runs in, which, which, hello? Wake up, guy. Like, like, this is the thing that gets me, though. You get the runners in scoring position, and Rizzo is, still has the shift on. There's The whole left side of the infield's wide open. You got fucking Judge on third, who's halfway down the baseline because no one's covering third. Can you, can you just push a ball to the left side? Like, roll one down the left side. How much you want to bet you get both runs in because there's no one over there? The small ball aspect of the game, and this is why analytics, I can't stand it because the, it's it's a home run or bust game. Let's be real. I mean, all all, all teams care about now is the home is the home run. And guess what? Over, over 162, absolutely works. Yankees are a perennial playoff team because of it. Over 162. But when you get in the playoffs and you don't have anybody that can push the ball the opposite way. Just because they just because they want to. There's no one on this team that can do that. I mean, Judge could do that. But he's not going to do that. <laughs> I mean. Oh my god. It's so frustrating. Oh, it's just so frustrating. There's so much. And Boone's blunders. I mean, come on, man. And I'm tired. I'm tired of hearing after the games. Oh, well, you know, they look good here. And, you know, we, we, we got to set up and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just, you know, and he also, and he just excuse after excuse after excuse. I'm tired of the excuses. You're not hitting the ball. Fucking get on these guys and fucking make them hit. You got you to gotta shake it up, do something. Now, like I said, what you did with the lineup in game two, I enjoyed. I enjoyed that lineup. That was a good lineup. Bader should continue to lead off. I don't think you should have Judge second. I think he should be third or fourth. I think you should put Rizzo second. You had him batting second behind Judge. I don't know. I'm tired of the excuses, man. You got to go out and win. Now the game. Now the series comes back to New York now, and you got Cole going for game three. Now, obviously, you lose this game, it's over. I don't care. It's a, we're not going to pull no fucking Boston Red Sox in 04 or 03, whatever year that was. It's was 04, I think. Definitely was 04. I remember that. Hurt my fucking heart. I was nine years old. But anyway. 
it, I don't know. I don't know. Does anybody have to spit the bit for this when 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 they lose this series? And really, I'm going to bring back this question. These these delusional-ass Yankee fans that are sitting there before the series saying, oh, we want Houston. We want Houston. Why would you want this team? If, you're any, if you have any objectiveness in your brain at all, you would know that this team was better than us. Now, it's baseball. And look, I'm not sitting here saying the series is over. I mean, it's not like you got demolished in Houston. But you're just not hitting the ball. At the end of the day, you got to hit the fucking ball. Put it in play. 30 strikeouts in two games is not going to cut it. You're batting 138 as a team. Oh, they got me hot, man. I just find it so funny that Yankees... Like, and, and, and and to all the people... like, Because I'm on Twitter now again. And again, you can follow me. Winner1023. At Winner1023. W-Y-N-N-E-R. 1023. I'll say it again. <laughs> Um, you can follow me there, but, and by the way, shout out, I, I listened to DPH or Owen Rothenberg in the morning, every fucking morning, five to eight ESPN radio. You guys should get the ESPN app and listen to them. If you enjoy sports talk, uh, they're great. And it's so funny. They have this, they have this fan base called the company, which I am now a proud member of. There's a whole backstory behind that. If you listen to the show, you'll get more context to that but shout out to the company i'm 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 proud to be a member now it's dope but anyway back to what i was saying it's baseball anything can happen here you got to hit the ball and you need to put the ball in play i mean case in point last night you put the ball in play you could see what happens two errors on one play got you the two runs i mean let's be real so you could see what happened you got to put the ball in play man you got Cole going. Like I said, safe to say if they lose this game, it's done. If I have to make a prediction on the series, I mean, it's done already. I mean, I think it's just going to it's gonna be Houston in six, unfortunately. I just do. Because I think with Nestor and Cole going, I think you can find a way to squeak out. But you got to get the bats alive. And if that doesn't happen, that it, they're not going to win the series, period. And now you got to win four out of five against this Houston team. That's owned you. For years now. I'm not even going to get into all. I hate Houston, but like, you got to be realistic, man. This just this team is just better. They're, they're, they're just better. It's time to get some bats. And look, back to the question at hand, Does who has to go? Does anybody have to go? I don't think anybody's going to go, so I'm not going to get too deep into that conversation because what are we going to sit here and talk about? You know what I mean? But... The performance by Boone in this playoffs, I I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But uh yeah. That's just the you know, that's the negative portion of the show, people. Um I promise I'm not gonna be negative because there's only good to talk about from here, other than Elijah Moore and the Jets, and I'll get into that. Cause he's being a little poonan. But anyway, we're going to get into some basketball, baby. The Knicks, the Knicks opened their season, what's today, Friday. They opened their season off Wednesday night against Memphis ESPN. Got to, got to see the look, new look Knicks, although they're not really that much new look. Really, it's just Jalen Brunson that's the new look. And let me tell you, it was a real new look because he looked really, really good. 
Now, it was a, it was just like we, how Knicks fans, how long have we been looking for a point guard? Can we answer this question? How long? When's the last time we had a legitimate point guard? And I'm not talking. Don't say Jason Kidd, who was here for five minutes. Okay, I get that was the last decent season that the Knicks have had. But don't say him. I, I don't qualify Jason Kidd, who was an all-time great point guard. But I don't qualify him. He was here for that, what, one or two seasons? And that was it? He had a great season. Don't get me wrong. He was great for the Knicks. But we've been looking for a point guard for over a decade. And anything was an upgrade. Especially, like, consider you had... 30-year-old Alec Burks bringing up the ball, who's a two-guard. And Randall being the facilitator, which just clearly does not work. And you sign Jalen Brunson in the offseason. I don't care how much you had to pay him. For everybody that's bitching and moaning and complaining about them paying over $100 million for Jalen Brunson, you guys got to remember something. It's not like someone wasn't going to pay him that contract. I mean, Dallas wanted him back. They wanted him back. You had to pay the dude. That's one. And two, he's a clear upgrade. So if I'm going to get competent point guard play, why am I worried about how much we spent on him? It ain't my money. And it ain't your money. So why the fuck, just, just sit down and shut up and, and watch. Because guess what? You play 36 minutes and have zero turnovers. That's what I like to see. Making big shots down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Now overall as a team, they didn't shoot well. And they shot horrendously from the three-point line. And RJ did not look good. But you went into OT against a Memphis team. Now they weren't whole, but has John Morant. And he caused problems, but let's be honest, who's he not going to cause problems against? John Morant's a stud. He had a great game. But, you know, you had a 19-point deficit coming out of the half. You find a way to get back in the game. We had a Cam Reddish sighting. He looked great. And now, you know, when Grimes comes back, see, this is what I think should happen. Because Fournier is just... Ugh. Fournier is hot garbage. Fournier only plays well against the Celtics. For whatever reason. Dude will drop 35 on the Celtics. And then every other game look like he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing with a basketball in his hand. It blows my mind, honestly. I can't stand that guy. And he doesn't play defense. So when Grimes comes back, you put Grimes in as... Slot him as, as the starter. Because... I mean, the lack of an on-ball defender in that game eventually hurt you because that's the only downfall with the Jalen Brunson signing is that his defense is a little questionable and John Morant picked us apart. Quentin Grimes is a great defender and I think he should be slotting in there starting. Fournier, sit your ass down. We don't fucking need you. And put Cam Reddish in, you know, on that second line there with Rose and all them. And quickly. Quickly looked horrible too. Quickly zero points. I mean, he better wake up. He's not he hasn't progressed really at all. But overall, 
you got to like what you saw. I mean, Mitchell Robinson being in foul trouble, which, by the way, I, it, that's always been the problem with him. Can, can we learn how to not, you know, get that excited on defense, Mitch? Please. You're a force defensively. You need to stop fouling. But you have Brunson, you know, 36 minutes, 9 assists. I forgot how many points he had. I'm not even, I'm not even looking at the points when it comes to being a point guard, though. Yes, I want you to be able to score. And he can get to the basket. No problem. But nine assists, no turnovers in 36 minutes. That's pretty fucking good. Cam Reddish, 22 points. He hit the buzzer beater. Well, it wasn't really a buzzer beater, but he hit, which was a great play call. Loved the play they drew up with eight seconds left to force overtime. Hit that tying three-pointer in the corner. And uh, he looked really good, man. You have Randall, who's actually who actually played within the offense. He didn't look like he was rushing. He didn't look like he was taking no crazy shots. Although I did actually did see one possession where he got he was double teamed in the corner and he took some crazy ass fadeaway. He looked there were there were times where he did Randall things, but for the most part he played within the offense. He he looked very good. Twenty four points, very good. You're not going to get many nights where RJ is going to go 3 for 18 like that. He he didn't look so good. Now, I expect RJ to be an all-star this year. That's just my personal opinion. He should be there, especially with the contract he just signed. With that being said, though, you know, you still went to OT. And you fought in OT. Now, boneheaded plays here and there, some bad fouls. You know, you ended up losing that game. But, what's the expectation for this team? I don't know. The ceiling, I think, is the sixth seed. Do I think it's possible they can just make the playoffs and skip right through, right past that playing tournament shit? Yeah, I do. I, I I think they could make that happen. But... I definitely expect them to see them in the play-in. If this team doesn't make the playoffs or the play-in, I'm going to have a problem with that. I will be very unhappy. Now, it's a long season, 82 games. I get it. You know, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be things. There's a whole shit ton of stuff that could happen from now and then. But one game in, I like how they look. I just do. I expect them to be in that play-in game. At least. The playing tournament, at least. And as a home team, not as an away team. Which either means you're the 9 seed or you're the 8 seed, period. Or the 7 seed, sorry. Period. That's where they need to be. Um, you could say, though, the one thing you can say about the team is, like, you, you don't have an like a superstar. Like, closing, like, you don't have that guy. You know, Memphis has that guy in John Morant. And you could have had that guy. So it is a little frustrating, you know, that they weren't able to go out and uh, and get Donovan Mitchell. It is a little bit frustrating, considering all the hype behind that in the offseason. But, at the end of it all, like I said, play in tournament or six seed. That's where I expect them to be at the end of the year. And we'll get into them more. We'll see how they look. But all in all, first game, I liked how they looked. Um, 
Rangers are a force. Uh, can we just say that? They have some things they need to tighten up. Their late game defense is not good. Swiss cheese. Swiss cheese. I mean, just last night, you get, you, you get, you take a real bad loss, overtime loss against San Jose. Now you sneak out of there with a point, and again, we're we're what five games in. I'm I'm not going nuts, people. It's it's you're gonna lose games. It's, you're not gonna win every fucking game. I understand. Um, I just the Rangers are gonna be a. I expect this team to be in the Eastern Eastern Conference Final, at least again. Is that? You know, Rangers fans who listen and hockey fans who listen, is that a bad expectation for me? Is that too high of an expectation? The Metro is a good division. I mean, really all the contenders are coming out of that division. You got Boston, you got Carolina. The Islanders are not bad, although they took a bad loss against the Devils last night. Um, Tampa's in your division. Um... Washington's in your division. You you know you got a good division, but the I think the Rangers. I think the Rangers have a shot to you know kind of get that Presidents Trophy this year. You got Pittsburgh. How am I forgetting Pittsburgh in the division? They st- they started off hot as hell. They're on their little last ride, and I thought last year was going to be their last ride, but they still have those three together in Latang, Crosby, and fucking Malkin. Oh, I hate them. But they're on a hot start. They haven't lost yet. <laughs> um, but hey, the Rangers look good. Their power play is elite. You do not want to take penalties against the Rangers. Because that power play will just pick you apart. And the kids are playing. Kako is flying. Lafreniere looks really, really good. Hedl looks really, really good. Everything about this team looks good except for that late except for the late game defense. Cuz specifically in the game last night, you you gave up some, you know, pretty crappy goals, but cuz two, you know, going into the third tied 2-2, you don't want that against San Jose who didn't have a win going into that game. But I mean, you you held them to what? 8 shots, 10 shots in two periods and then you gave up 16 in the third? I don't know. That's not good. <laughs> you were dominating that game, really, in terms of puck possession, everything in the first two periods, and then something happened in the third to where you just let up. And a boneheaded mistake in, in overtime cost you. But, l- like I said, I'm not going to go nuts. You're going to lose games. It happens. And you still snuck away with a point. So, you know. These games count now, though, so it's, you know, I gotta tell you, man, it's been super overwhelming (laughs) this last couple weeks. I've been trying to watch all this shit, and I commend all these people that do this for a living, which I'm, I'm eventually trying to do as well, but like, god damn, like, literally just last night, not last night, the night prior, like, I'm sitting there trying to watch this Yankee game and the Knicks game at the same time, dozing off, like, it was fourth inning, and I'm dozing off, mind you, I worked full time. Like, so, uh, you know, I'm up at 4.30 every morning. And I'm I'm sitting there dozing. I had to drink a coffee. It's fucking 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> it's 9 o'clock at night. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get all this stuff in. Uh, don't get me wrong. I want to. I love this shit. <laughs> I mean, if I wasn't doing this right now, I, I mean, it'd be, I'd be hard pressed to say I'd be, 
crazy focused on everything that's going on since how early it is. I'd probably be mainly focused on the Yankees. But no, I mean, I'm trying to get I'm trying to consume all this and it's hard. <laughs> it's fucking hard, man. And you know, I listen to these people every day talk on these radio stations and stuff and you know, just Especially that morning show I listened to that I mentioned earlier in the show, like DPHO and Rothenberg, man. And, and in my opinion, listen, those guys, like if you want to do this or if like you're thinking about doing anything like with a microphone, I would just listen to those guys. Like they're the template. Like I get a lot of my stats from them. I get like I'm not going to sit here and, you know, like obviously I don't make up all this stuff. Like I hear it from places. Those guys are the standard. Like those guys are the standard. They're funny. They're 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 just they're they're awesome. If you if you want to listen to a show and get into New York sports, listen to them. But um, I commend them, man. Especially them because they they start at five in the morning, and like you got to stay up, watch these games. You got to watch everything. It's just crazy. It's a lot. It's a lot for sure. It's fun though. I enjoy this, man. It's a fun time. But yeah, I'm drinking coffee at 9 o'clock. Bit me in the ass because I didn't fall asleep from that. It's so crazy, too. I was dozing off during those games. And like the second I took a sip of a, of the coffee, I was like, whoa, wired. It's so crazy how you could like feel that difference right away when you're that tired. And you drink a little bit of caffeine. And it's just like, whoop, your eyes are wide open. Didn't fall asleep till midnight that night. Had to get up at 4.30 for work. <laughs> But hey, I do it for y'all. This is fun, though. No, I really, I, I selfishly do it for myself, too. I love watching sports. This is my shit. But no, so, sorry, back back to what I was saying. Rangers are Rangers are going to be a force. They just got just got a few screws to tighten up on that defense in the late game situations. But other than that, they look really, really good. They won a game 6-4 the other night, and you were upset because of how bad they played on defense. <laughs> I mean, upset at a win, you know? But, yeah, man, I expect that team to do great things. On to the New York football. And I had to give these guys some time because they deserve it. I'm going to start with the Jets. The Jets go into Green Bay. New York football, the Green Bay Killers. The Packer Killers. And I'm sure my girlfriend's going to love hearing this when she listens. New York football, the Packer Killers. The Jets going and just straight manhandle the Packers in Green Bay. I mean, who saw that coming? <laughs> who saw it coming? I didn't see that coming. I thought the Jets did have a chance to win that game. Did I expect the Jets to win that game? No. But did I expect the Giants to beat them the week prior in London? No. And like... the. <laughs> First of all, you got to give kudos to the defense, man. They showed up and showed out because your offense was kind of stagnant a little bit. Brees Hall went off. Your running game was great. I, I'll, I'll give you that. I shouldn't say it was stagnant. Your running game was very, very, very good. But your defense stole the show. Sauce Gardner is a stud. That dude is playing like he's a vet. You know, I like these young teams, man. They just don't know any better. They just don't know any better. Like everybody's just counting them out. You got and and 
I'll be the first one to say I was killing Salah. I was killing Salah when he came out and made that receipts comment. I was killing him. Since then, the Jets are 3-1. and one. Hey, man. Proof is in the pudding right now. And I even like... I like what he said after this game even better. When he said, look, we're... You know... We gotta start expecting this in this building. Like... Like... This game doesn't matter just as much in a win as it would have mattered in a loss. Like we all we're we're looking to improve every week. And we just have to come into the building expecting that this is going to happen. I love that. And look, man, I'm glad I like I'm not a Jet fan. You guys know this. But like I'm glad I'm dude, it's it's very nice to see New York football actually mean something going into the month of like in middle of October. Going into November. Like it blows my mind. You got two winning football teams right now. They're just winning. I mean. Look at what the Jets did. I mean Brees Hall went off. By the way. By the way. The odds for defensive player rookie of the year. Or defensive rookie of the year. And offensive rookie of the year. Are both Jets. Brees Hall. Like the favorites. Brees Hall. And Sauce Gardner are the favorites to win that. I mean, just look at the 2022 draft. You got Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, who hasn't done too much, but you could tell he's a playmaker. He just is. You could just tell. He hasn't done a lot, which I'll get into a little bit because I think that's more so trying to protect your quarterback than anything else. But Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson... Brees Hall in the second round. I mean, you could argue that this draft class, that this specific draft class at this point in time could be one of the best draft classes the Jets have ever had. I mean, these guys are producing right now. Right now. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy that you stuck with the run game in this game. Because Zach did not look very sharp. Now, he made some key throws in the second half and all that stuff. But 10 for 18, 118 yards, 110 yards. That's I, I still have my questions. I'm still unsure about Zach Wilson. But you were protecting him. Because you were jamming it. You were running it down their fucking throats with Brees Hall. Stud. The defense. Quentin Williams. Stud. They were in Rodgers' face all day long. All day. You got lockdown corners. You got a pass rush. I mean, what's there not to like about the Jets right now? What's there not to like? And that's the bi- that's the biggest win that the Jets have had since shit. In a decade. In a decade. I mean, the defense was just great. Like I said, Quentin Williams is just a dog. And he's such a big teddy bear. Whenever you hear him talk, you're like, that dude's fucking as big as he is? Kidding me? Kid's a beast. The one issue I have right now with the Jets. Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. My guy. What are you doing? 
What are you doing? For those who don't know who Elijah Moore is, I'd be surprised if you didn't, but if you don't, he's a wide receiver who got drafted last year for the Jets and showed a lot of promise. He looks like he's going to be really, really good. I, I, I add his name to the list in the list of, in like, as, as far as the amount of weapons you have on this offense, he's part of that weapons list, comes out after the game, and is frustrated about the lack of targets and that he's not touching the ball. I can't stand this shit when it comes to these young guys. Bruh, st- quit sitting here like you're fucking Randy Moss or fucking Jerry Rice or one of these other, like, why are wide receivers such divas? Why? Like, why? It, look at Antonio Brown right now, who is, by the way, is clearly out of his fucking mind. Fucking swimming naked in hotel pools. Out of his mind. There's something wrong with the guy. But you, diva. And, alright, go ahead and tell me all the ones that aren't divas. Cooper Cup is not a diva. By any stretch of the imagination. I'm sure that dude could give two shits less on if he got two catchers or fucking 20 in a game. But he'll never get less than 20. He'll never get less than eight catches in a game because he's their whole offense for the Rams. But either way, that's neither here or there. You can name off guys that aren't divas. I understand. But it just seems to me that the wide receiver position as a whole, and yes, I'm being <laughs> like, the, just, just, those are the divas in the league for whatever reason. Why is that the case? I don't know, but like I don't know why. But Elijah Moore. And now you just make your coach look stupid because he comes on the K show on Monday and defends you after you make those statements saying how like you know like he knows who you are and yada 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 how hard you work yada yada yada. And then you come out after that statement is had is said after he just defends you and says you request a trade. And you're still frustrated. Yo, and, and and kudos to the Jets who said, we have no fucking plans on trading this guy. Like, no. Sit there and, and pout and moan. Like, are you fucking kidding me? And you're and it's working right now. You're four and fucking two, three and one in your last four. What are you complaining about? And no one's even, like, saying, where's Elijah Moore? Blah, 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 blah. Like, come on, man. You're going to sit here and come out and bitch about not getting targets. See, that's a me guy move, obviously. You're a me guy. So you know what? If I'm the Jets, I get Denzel Mims off the, off the, off the bench. Get off that seat warmer there, buddy. And put him in. And just prove a point. Now, will he do anything? No, probably not. But, I mean, come on, man. What kind of bullshit is that? I can't, and now, now I don't like you. <laughs> Rex Ryan said it best. Now I don't like you. I don't like you now. Now you have to prove to me that you're a team player, which clearly you're not anyway. You already proved to me you're not. So, like I said, if I'm the Jets, he's done. Which I guess would it would be prudent for you to trade him. Because if you did trade him, you can actually get something for him. But it's just, it's so frustrating because you consider this guy a key part of your team. Like, I just said it. He's one. He's on the list of the weapons for your team. Like, you consider him a weapon. And he's going to sit there and come out after the game and bitch and moan. Like, it just blows my mind, man. And you're winning games. 
You're winning games. Why are you doing this, Elijah Moore? I mean, really, why are you doing this? It doesn't make any sense to me. Even if you feel that way, even if you do feel that way, like, you could do this shit behind closed doors. You don't have to come out in the media and say it. Do you know where you're at? You're in New York. This is going to be the biggest story for the Jets now of the week, is Elijah Moore fucking wanting to be traded. It's ridiculous, man. All these players now that just fucking feel like they could force their way out of situations when they're under contract. It's crazy. It's crazy. But back to the football side of things. You got a winnable game now coming up against Denver because Denver just looks like garbage and no one respects Russell Wilson in that building. You have fucking Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch coming out saying this week that you, if a new player wanted to get in touch with Russell Wilson in Seattle, they had to talk to their manager. I mean, are you kidding me? If that's true, which it clearly is true, if you if you want to hear what they said about it, just just look it up on YouTube. It's fairly easy to find. It was a very big story this week. I mean, what kind of team guy is that? You want to talk about a me guy? And you got Russell Wilson out here every week talking about believe and you know, Jesus this and Lord that and faith this. And look, you believe, I believe in God. I'm, I'm not sitting here, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I'm the most religious person in the world, but I do believe. But like this guy, whoo! And, and <laughs> it's, it's just fraud behavior. It's the only reason why I'm bringing it up because you sit there and you like to preach you're this team guy. You should hear this dude mic'd up on the sideline. It's so funny. And and you go out and play like garbage. It comes out that you had a torn, what is it, something in his shoulder. Torn, it's not a patella. Is it a patella? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. He had something torn in his throwing shoulder or some shit like that. So he brings that up now for how horrible he's been. Comes out and and against the Chargers and starts off like a man on fire and then back to the old ways of of the Denver offense. That that coach and quarterback combination, you could like I you could definitely tell like Denver hired Nathaniel Hackett solely because they thought he was coming with Aaron Rodgers. Clearly, clearly could tell that. That didn't happen. And you settled for Russell Wilson. And boy, does it look bad. So, look. Jets. You're going to Denver. I get it. Mile high. Altitude. All that fun stuff. Boo-hoo, whatever. Everybody has to go play there. I'm not saying it's not a factor. It, it is a, a slight factor. But you just went to Lambeau Field, which is arguably one of the bigger home advantage places to play home field advantage, and stomped on the Green Bay Packers. Now you're going to a Denver Bron- to the Denver to Denver to p- to play the Broncos, who have looked like hot garbage. Mean to tell me you don't have a chance to win that game? I like look. I'm again. I'm not going to go as far as to say I I expect to see the Jets win this game, but you can't tell me it's not a winnable game. And, I mean, play like you played against Green Bay and you should be fine. (laughs) Really. 
Because you don't really have much to worry about with that Denver offense at the moment. That defense is solid. Denver's defense is solid. But you can if you run the ball like you did against Green Bay, you should have no problem. Five and two Jets, I can see it, man. We'll see what happens. Now on to the Giants. Because, boy, do they just keep putting smiles on my faces. I don't have more than one face. <laughs> I realize my mistake, people. But they just have me, as my college buddies would love for me to say, ecstatic right now. They have me fucking thrilled. Five and fucking one. I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought that the Giants would be five and one right now? I know I fucking sure as hell didn't. I did not think that they were going to be five and one. You got another come from behind win against Baltimore this past weekend. And by the way, now, that's four game winning drives by Daniel Jones this year in the fourth quarter. That's leading the league. And. That's the fourth come from behind win by the Giants this year, which I think also leads the league. Do you want to have to keep coming from behind? No, you don't. But what does that tell you? It tells you that the second half adjustments are just they're being they're being um, implemented to a T. Exactly what you need to do. And let's be honest. I'll be honest. I mean, you kind of snuck away with that game. It took it took Baltimore having those late game blunders. Like you have a third and one for Baltimore, and uh, they get a they get a penalty for uh, illegal formation, which is a five yard penalty, which makes it a third and six. And then they botch the uh, the snap, goes over Lamar's head, and Lamar's thinking in his, in his head, you know, I can make this a great play, and throws a horrible ball and picks it off for the Giants' first interception of the year, by the way. Couldn't have come in a way bigger moment. Couldn't have come in a bigger moment. And you go out and score, and Saquon scores a touchdown. Take the lead. Um, so, yeah, I mean, did Baltimore help you? Sure. But you're in that game anyway. Just the coaching has been, you know, a breath of fresh air. It's so crazy. Like, I still don't understand how the Giants are doing this. Like, look at the talent that they have. It's astonishing to me. They have no one... Well, I, you know, I guess you can argue they do have talent. They just weren't getting coached up right, right? I mean, could you say that? I, I mean, just judging by what we've seen so far, I think you can. <laughs> and... Like, it... Because look at the defense. The defense has been playing great. And you know you got you got some guys, obviously Adoree Jackson. You got Dexter Lawrence, who's been a, who's been phenomenal this year. He's looked great. Leonard Williams in there to stuff the run. Um, Thibodeau, who finally had his first sack and and was the biggest sack of the game. He got the strip sack to end the game. He looks good. He looks really good. And I know everybody wants to sit on the sack numbers and everything like that. I get that it was his first sack. I mean, well, first of all, you couldn't have gotten against a, a better opponent in Lamar Jackson because he's one of the, he's probably the slipperiest quarterback in the league. You saw Thibodeau after the game how emotional he was because you know 
before the season, he you know he he was asked the question, who would you like to sack most in the NFL? His answer was Lamar Jackson, because of the difficulty of sacking him. And to get a strip sack as your first sack on Lamar Jackson to win the game, oh yeah, that'd make me pretty emotional too. But he looks like a stud. And, you know, you got Ozilari who hasn't been able to stay healthy. But he's good. Aaron Robinson who's, seems like like in preseason like he was going to be a fucking revolving door corner. And, and, you know, he hasn't been healthy. You got all these... You, you, you got Belton on the back end who looks like he's good. Xavier McKinney's a good player. I mean, you got you got guys. And... I mean, I know I keep saying this and I sound like a broken record, but the coaching, it's the coaching. It's the coaching. Brian Dayball knows what he's doing. Daniel Jones looks good. Saquon is being Saquon. He looks like an all-pro. I mean, what's not to like about this team right now? What's not to like? And you can't tell me who, oh, who have they beaten? Well, they've beaten Tennessee, who look pretty good now. They beat Carolina. Obviously, Carolina looks horrible. You lose to Dallas, which isn't the worst loss in the world. I mean, grant obviously, it's Dallas, so it's a bad loss. You don't want to lose in the division, but Dallas is a good team. And then you beat Chicago, who you should beat. You go to London and beat Green Bay. And... You beat Baltimore at home. You can't tell me who you've beaten. So when, so, I mean, let's be real, realistic now. We can start talking playoffs about the Giants. Now, I'm not going to sit here and t- start talking about division. And the only reason being is because you got Philly, who's undefeated still. You got two against them still. And I think I think you could split with them. I think you can. You have to beat Dallas on Thanksgiving. And I think you're going to sweep against Washington. That's just me. So what that what does that put you? You split with Philly. You split with Dallas. That's 2-2. Two and two. And then you sweep Washington. That's 4-2 and two in the division. Which, by the way, that's another 4 wins. So that already gets you to 9 wins. And I uh, was just about to get into this. Looking at the Giants' next four games, is it impossible they start off 9-1? and one? I mean, really, is this a 13-win team? Just, just hear me out for a second. Just hear me out for a second, okay? Because th- this is the Giants' next, next uh, four games. You go to Jacksonville. It's a winnable game. You go to Seattle. It's a winnable game. You have the bye week. Then you're home against Houston, I believe. Hold on, let me let me double check that. That game, that I ex, I expect you to win that game. Whether you're home against Houston or away, but I'll check that real quick. And then you're you're against Detroit. Okay, yeah. So so after the bye week, you're home against Houston and you're home against Detroit. And then you go to Dallas for the Thanksgiving game. After that. You mean to tell me that the Giants can't be 9-1 and one after those four games? At worst, they need to be 7-3. and three. Two and two in the next four, I could deal with. 
That's the worst I can deal with. Two and two in the next four. That that puts you at seven and three for the Dallas game, which I think they're going to win in Dallas. I mean, <laughs> who would have thought, huh? The Giants have a possible, have a high possibility of going nine, of starting nine and one. Because I got to be honest with you, Jacksonville does look better. I don't want to shit on Jacksonville. That's not a guarantee victory, especially in Jacksonville. But you mean to tell me that the Giants aren't overall the better team? Like, you got to look at what's been happening here, okay? <laughs> you got to, you got to, look, season expectations for the Giants for me in the beginning of the year was just look competent on offense. Well, you're five and one now. My expectations have changed. Playoffs. Ten wins get you in. Two and two in the next four. Ten wins get you in. That means you have to go five and six in the next eleven games. You don't think that they can do that? I mean, I think they could do that. So can they if they start nine and one? It, obviously, it's playoffs. I mean, you're already there. If you start nine and one, you got to start talking division. Because we don't know how long Philly's going to be undefeated for. You got uh, Bart Scott on on Bart and Han the other day, predicting that the Giants are going to give Philly their first loss uh, week thirteen. Which means <laughs> twelve and zero for Philly, eleven zero for Philly. I'm not sure if they're going to make it that long, but. I love the Giants. I love the Giants, baby. They just they they're saving me right now because the Yankees have put me in such a fucking rut that it was hard for me to get out of it. But the Rangers being as good as they are, the Giants being as surprisingly good as they are, and I have very high expectations for the Knicks in terms of where they're at. So, they all look good. New York sports is back, baby. We're fucking back. Let's go. I'm going to just give y'all some picks now if you want to gamble. Because this is, this you know, I've been doing halfway decent. I'm telling you right now, I picked all underdogs this week. All underdogs this week. Okay? I already lost yesterday because New Orleans did not look great against Arizona. All right? So I had New Orleans plus the one and a half. They failed me. Okay? So don't don't kill me on that. I got Detroit laying the points against Dallas. After the bye week, I think Detroit's going to come out on fire. I would love to see Detroit win that game outright. They're seven-point underdogs, uh, but I like Detroit. Obviously, I have the Giants. They're three-point underdogs, which really makes it a pick game because Jacksonville's at home. But I think the Giants are also going to win outright, so I picked them. I got the Jets, who are three-point underdogs, against Denver. I got them... I think they're going to win the game outright. And I got Seattle in LA. They're they're plus six and a half. I think they're going to win that game outright. So I got all underdogs this week. That's my picks. I have to go to the bathroom right now, so I'm going to end it there. I appreciate y'all listening. Thanks so much. And uh, keep on tuning in, man, because we're about to have a long NHL, NFL, 
NBA season. Let's go, baby. Let's go Giants. Let's go Yankees. Let's go Rangers. Let's go Knicks. All right, I got to pee. Peace.